This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, we thought they were going to be all done by now, but here we are at the start of a new school year and there's still no deal with the teachers in the province. Negotiations between the government and teachers has been going for months. There's even a mediator involved at this point. But right now they have paused the talks. Mediation set to continue September 23rd. So what is the holdup here? Are there hiccups? Should parents be concerned? Well, let's find out. We're talking now with Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Hi, Keith. Thanks me. Okay, so where are we at with this? Should people be worried? Not right now. <laughs> Having seen a lot of BCTF disputes, this one is, is quite a bit different than previous ones. There's no rush to the barricades here uh, from either side. And the, the TF, I think, has signaled that they know their members don't want to walk a picket line here. They don't want to withdraw their services. They don't want to take job action. So we've got this unprecedented situation of the teachers beginning the school year with no contract in place, which means the old contract uh, is, is, remains on the books until a new one is negotiated. But uh, Terry Maureen, the president of the TF, has made it very clear there's no prospect of a strike vote uh, anytime soon or job action. And yesterday was this odd sight out here on the front lawn of the legislature, Simi. Nice sunny day. It was a Labor Day rally and I walk out there and who do I bump into but Terry Mooring, the BCTF president, Rob Fleming, the education minister. Uh, you know, people are all being non-confrontational in a way that we haven't seen in other disputes. So I think that's encouraging. Now, I think there's some important landmark dates, you know, if we get to uh, Thanksgiving in October, uh, what happens then? Is it, does that tend yeah. to go up? When we get to the Christmas break, when we come back after holidays, if there's still no contract, is that is that the time frame for when perhaps job action uh, begins? I don't think you're going to see a strike this school year. I do think there's a possibility of job action and disruption of the classroom, but I think that's going to take some time to play out. You, you mentioned the talks resume on the 23rd. That's when the mediator is going to bring the two parties together and see if there's if either of them have changed their positions on some key issues, notably contract language on class size and composition. Uh, and then talks, if, you, if he's satisfied that they there's reason to resume talking, he will then resume mediated talks on September 30th. So there's a lot of patience being shown here in a yeah. way that wasn't in, in previous disputes. And if you're a parent, I think that's encouraging. Right. But I was following along with you on Twitter on the weekend where you were discussing this with people. And it seems like in some cases, the two sides don't even fully agree on what was presented at the table. Yeah. So Rob Fleming, the education minister, issued a statement on Friday after the mediator said he was going to walk away for a while, saying that one of the options the government had put on the table was a no changes to contract language, uh, but uh, to pay the 2 2 and 2% that other unions have received. And that just enraged the BCTF, who said that we've not seen anything like that on, in terms of an offer on the table. Uh, the government is sticking to its position, and the TF sticking to its position that that offer has not been made. From what I can tell, it was something that was sent to the mediator by the by the BCPC, the Public Sector Employers um, Public School Employer Association, um, but was not then communicated to the BCTF. But that's just an illustration of just these two sides aren't in the same room talking. You know, when we talk right. about mediated talks, this is not the mediator uh, going into a room with the BCTF on one side of the room and the, and the, the employers on the other side. This is him going from room to room. Uh, these people haven't been in the same room talking. He's in charge of the talk. One side says they've made an offer that sounds interesting. Uh, the other side says we haven't seen it. But presumably when they get together on the 23rd, uh, things will be a lot clearer. Okay, so what is the holdup here then? What are the challenges? 
I think the challenges are from the employer. The employer is looking for flexibility uh, in terms of how you put classrooms together. The old language that the TF won through a court battle is back in the contract, but that's language that dates from 1998. The employer says the schools have completely changed. The makeup of the schools have changed. The definition of special needs has changed, and the old language doesn't reflect that, so they need more flexibility. The BCTF's position is we just spent you know almost 20 years fighting this court battle, 15, 16 years, and we won. Why should we make changes now? So that they're stuck on that key point that the TF doesn't want to make changes, or at least not significant changes. The employer says, though, that old contract language is out of date and it badly needs replacing. So that's that's a big, big challenge for both sides uh, to get off on. And then you've got the compensation aspect, which I think is more solvable because I don't think the TF can make a, a great case at the table with the mediator that they should be paid so much more than all the other public sector unions in terms of, of wage increase. I think that one's more solvable. Right. But the thorny one is the language. And that's a hill to die on for the BCTF. And so far, I think that's where the, the most paralysis is set in in terms of either side not giving in. Right. And the money, as you mentioned, that's just 222. Everybody's getting that. Everybody's getting two, two, and two, and you can you can have some bells and whistles around the edges. You know, you can change the salary grid, uh, so some employees would get more than two, some would get less. Uh, there's also a 025 percent available uh, if you can somehow come up with um, gains in productivity uh, in terms of you know not incurring more costs uh, through work, which would mean probably changing the contract language, and that's something that the TF probably might not get if they if they stick to the guns and not change any language. But if Rob Fleming's correct in terms of his statement on Friday that they're willing to come in with a contract that simply makes no changes to the contract language, which was the first time we'd seen that position from the from the government, in exchange for a 6% wage increase, that may be where the settlement lies. That would just simply be called what's a rollover contract. The problem from the TF's point of view is that that's it. You wouldn't get anything else. They've, I think the TF came in with more than 40. They usually come in with you know a host of requests or demands, more than 40. Uh, all those would be left off the, on the side of the road, basically, if uh, if a contract were to roll over with no changes in language and simply the, the 2 2 and 2% wage increase. Right, because like from 1998 to now, there have been other contracts and other language, but that all got thrown out, right? Well, the, the, the language is stripped by the Liberals in their first term in office in, I think, 2002, because it was deemed to be unworkable. It was language that Glenn Clark, the former Indy Premier, put in, gave to the TF uh, in exchange of no wage increase, and that was very controversial at the time. Uh, but the language has been out of the books, uh, out of the contract for years, but it was put back in by the Supreme Court of Canada's decision to side with the TF that was unconstitutional to do that because it violated their bargaining rights. But the question, the, the key aspect is the court did not say that language goes into the contract forever and ever. In fact, it just ruled that your bargaining rights were violated and you have the right to bargain that language, which means a little horse trading back and forth. The employer says there's none of that going on and the employer's position is it's not the language is not there in perpetuity. It, it's subject to bargaining, which means it's subject to change. And that's the conversation that seems to be paralyzed right now. Right. Okay. And so on that particular note, it just sounds again, though, like they're going to end up kicking this can down the road. They are, and I wonder whether another imposed settlement it comes in from the from the government. Uh, it doesn't matter if the NDP is in power or the Liberals. There's no tolerance for a prolonged teacher strike. So if the picket line were to go up, I don't think it'd be up very long. I think you'd see the House come back, impose a contract, not strip the language out, but simply say you're going to get what all the public sector employees are getting, which is two, two, and two, and we're not making any changes to the language. But I think we're a ways away from that, so I don't think parents should be too jittery quite yet. Was there a thinking then, Keith, that because this was a a different government, things were going to go differently this time? 
Oh, I think the TF very much thought things were going to go differently. But I remember explaining to some of the my teacher friends early on, it says, don't expect the NDP to simply do what they said they were going to do in opposition. They're now in government, and they have a completely different lens on. And that means making some tough decisions that would have been unthinkable in opposition. But in government, that's what you got to do. So the site CDAM, you know, classic example, yeah. the NDP opposed it. They approved it in government. The LNG Canada, the NDP made noises uh, criticizing it in opposition, now a, a strong backer of it. Uh, the list is long. When you go into government, so there was no sense that uh, the government's going to come in and, and suddenly open up the books and give the TF all the money. Carol James is in charge of the negotiations. She's a pretty steely person, and she has set the, what's called the, the negotiating mandate, and it's at two, two, and two. Every other union so far has accepted that that mandate. The TF is discovering that, just like the Liberals, the NDP is no different when it comes to establishing these, these negotiating mandates. They stick to them because they're in government now, not opposition. And I think the, the BCTF underestimated that. Right. Okay. So then towards the end of the month, we should get a better idea of where things are. I think what we're going to know on the 23rd, if the media says, yep, let's get back talking, that's going to be an encouraging sign because he thinks that the, the two sides have moved enough to make it uh, a difference. If suddenly on the 23rd, though, he walks away again, then I think we're in trouble. But I don't think we're going to get there. I think talks will resume on the 30th, and we'll see how long they go. All right, Keith, thank you. All right, anytime. That's Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Uh, there was a lot of hope that talks were going to get done first before the end of the school year. Remember, you probably heard about that in June. And then, oh, no, no, we're going to do this over the summer and it still didn't work. And now here we are in September. But as Keith pointed out, there is no appetite. It sounds like on either side for any kind of a hard line on this. So for parents, sounds like you can breathe a bit of a sigh of relief, right? People just want for once this whole process to go smoothly. But I'm sure uh, teachers out there have thoughts, parents have thoughts. So go ahead and email me on this, simi at cknw.com or use our buzz line 604-331-BUZZ. That is 331-2899.